Blog Talk Radio. Hmm. Music is not cooperating today. I'm going to have to sing. Okay, well, either sing or let's just jump straight to witty banter because we got no music that's yeah. not playing today. So, blog talk, uh, and our guest is Courtney uh, Harrison. And Courtney, part of the uh, entertainment of live radio and live interviews is that sometimes things don't work right. So, anyway, that's, that's, <laughs> just that's, like life. That's, that's right. And, and that's sort of what this show is about. Anyway, this is Michael and Vander Vort, and I'm here with Robin Schooling. And as I said, our guest is Courtney Harrison. Courtney's the CHRO of One Login. Um, we're going to talk a bit about um, responding to crisis today, I think. So it's going to be a, an interesting conversation, um, one that's very timely, and Courtney has some uh, unique experiences. So I'll, I'll – uh, but anyway, before we do that, Robin, we talked yesterday. I know you were doing well. Same thing today or is mm-hmm. worse? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, uh, you know, pretty much the same. But, you know, it is interesting because 24 hours ago – you know, we alluded to uh, some of the things that um, businesses in general, but HR leaders in particular, are dealing with around uh, what we're going to talk about today. And, you know, in those last 24 hours, I have, uh, you know, consumed more and more content about uh, coronavirus and what we should mm-hmm. be doing. I was at a, uh, a workshop type thing this morning um, where that was kind of a front and center discussion um, with some legal advice and, and just sort of some brainstorming. So it is, you know, it, we're in this fast-moving cycle right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, you know, every every day, every hour seems to change. So this is this is going to be a good convo, I think, today. Yeah, and, and as of yesterday, when I checked, Louisiana didn't have any cases, active cases, but they do we, today. Uh, so. Yeah, we're now at the presumptive, presumptive six. Yeah, so that'll that'll grow. And anyway, so we'll get we'll get back to that discussion. But our guest, Courtney, um, welcome to Drive Through. Thanks for joining us today. We we are very interested to kind of hear what you have to say. Um, if, for the benefit of our listeners, can you introduce yourself and give a bit of your background and what what you do? Sure. My name is Courtney Harrison, and right now I'm the head of HR. Sorry for uh, one login. And um, I've been there about two years. And, you know, OneLogin is um, it's a, a company that oversees identity platforms for companies, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, as people want to begin, <clears throat> companies want people to be able to work from anywhere they already have. And we see more and more of that happening in the future is, you know, we allow people to work from anywhere, wherever they want, on whatever device they want, but in a secure manner. So we, you know, centralize the apps for our customers, and then we're able to help them secure um, the identities of their people and the sensitive data that they have, and um, and even keep an eye out for bad actors, right, or the hackers that might be trying to get into their systems. Our job is to stay one step ahead of that with some of our products to make sure that, again, their identities stay safe and their customers' identities stay safe. So that's what we do for a living. Um, okay. and, uh, and, and part of what I can talk about today too is, um, we've always been a pretty remote workforce because it's what we do for a living, right? We eat what we mm. cook. You should be able to work from anywhere whenever you want. And now we're seeing that sort of proliferate really quickly based on the situation. <laughs> so, um, happy to talk about that as well. In addition to yeah. how we're handling. Yeah. So that, 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 and I think we'll get to that. I, I, I think to frame up the, um, 
to frame up the discussion, I guess obviously you know yes, that w remote working and how you accommodate it and how you you know how do you, how, how do you implement it quickly are some these are some probably relatively un, unexpected HR and, and operational crises that are taking place in offices across the world, I guess right now right um, and but you know because of the coronavirus obviously um, but you know, it's this isn't the first time we've had a disaster, and I guess you you at one time worked with American Express, if I remember correctly, and dealt um, with some of the 9/11, some of the 9/11 stuff. So I I kind of wanted to start out with that a little bit, you know, because to me this is like a reverse lens of what we're experiencing now versus that. But I wondered if you could just share some of the, you know, some of the general experiences you had related to 9/11, and then kind of as we walk forward, we'll bring those together into what we're experiencing now and how they relate. Sure, I'd be happy to. Yeah, I was definitely in the center of 9/11. Um, partly, I was standing under the building when uh, both uh, when the second plane hit. The first plane I watched mm -hmm. go into the building. I was docking, coming over from New Jersey. And our building was across the street. So I watched that one go in, and I watched the fire go across the windows where we were docking. And then I got out to kind of start walking towards my building, um, knowing it wasn't good. Um, and then the second uh, plane flew over my head, made a U-turn, and went into the building, and then I ran like everybody else. So from my personal experience with it to then helping to manage the aftermath of that, I was at the time in charge of executive um, leadership basically for the company. I think back then we had about 100,000 employees. At the time we had 600 SVPs and above. So being in a tiny company, that cracks me up right now that we had just 600 <laughs> SVPs alone. But that was my population and I owned everything about them working with uh, between the head of HR and the CEO who um, obviously spent a lot of time with that group as well. And my job was everything from hiring them, onboarding them, coaching them, offboarding them, whatever it was. So it sort of made sense when that happened. Our building was, for lack of a better word, destroyed. It, it stayed standing. But when the first tower came down, the metal beams hit the ground and flew up as high as 42 stories into our building. And then, of course, the bottom five floors just from the rubble were completely knocked out, right, and asbestos filled and uninhabitable. So we were out for about a year and a half, I believe, and it was instantaneous. Um, so all of a sudden you wake up one morning and, uh, I think we were in, well, it probably took us two weeks. We were in five different locations. You have to remember back then too. I mean, that was the headquarters. We had other locations, but that's where the bulk of the executive team worked out of. In fact, the entire executive team worked out of there. And a lot of the, you know, we were U.S. based global company. So a lot of the senior folks were out of that building. So very mm -hmm. typical headquarters, high, uh, high level people. Um, all of a sudden are, are, you know, probably the first week working from home. By the second week, we're finding locations. It's, they're spread between Connecticut, New Jersey, and whatever. So very discombobulating. Uh, we had uh, 12 people die. We had people who worked for us that were on the Marsh McLennan floor and the Cantor Fitzgerald floor. So we were doing everything from looking to see who was alive to putting memorial services together to trying to do business continuity. Um, we were the world's largest travel agent at the time and the world's largest credit card company. And what did everybody stop mm. doing? Traveling, just like today, mm. and going mm -hmm. out, just like today. Mm -hmm. So it was very similar to me in a way. Everybody nested for a year. And you had a 150-year-old yep. company that said, crap, this isn't what we want people doing for the next year. We need them traveling and doing stuff. So everything was at stake for that, including the last, I guess, the bad news piece that we learned the hard way was we had backup servers back then. I mean, technology was forced. 
flourishing, not like it is today. And our backup servers were across the street in World Trade Center Building 7 yeah. that went yeah. down. So we also lost our backup yeah. servers. So that was sort of that situation. And it was everything from I was in charge of those top 600 leaders and how I um, got them functioning again, everything personally, what they experienced, um, where we lost employees, how we were handling that with them, getting them uh, to work from home. So the only other thing I have to add that was so different that makes today, honestly, way much better in terms of how to deal with it was technology was almost non-existent. So to right. think mm-hmm. you still didn't, you couldn't send an email by a phone. We had flip phones. You couldn't text. We still had Rolodexes. We had a lot yep. of execs who honestly really didn't use their computer. Their admins did their computer for them and printed stuff up and <laughs> put it back in. Um, so it was actually much harder at that point to kickstart than today. Um, but um, a lot of the similar things uh, are, are, are at play today. And, and also the employee assistance program stuff. People were traumatized by what happened there, um, uh, ranging from seeing the planes go in the building to working above the hole they were taking bodies out of for, mm. for, for actually when we moved back in. And it's the same today, you know, still EAP. It's stressful and people have sick relatives and they're worried about elderly parents and schools closing and their children and what they do. And so um, EAPs at play again. So to me, I see a lot of the similarities. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And I think, I, you know, as, as, as I was kind of, you know, planning and, and prepping for this conversation and thinking about, uh, you know, my, my guess of sort of what you went through, um, you know, I, I, I also kind of equate what's happening today with what we went through um, with Katrina um, yep. here in that, you know, yeah, we, much like coronavirus and, and different than 9-11, we planned for it. You know, we kind of planned for hurricanes to come. You know, we know when they're coming. We yep. have a reasonable estimation. We stockpile, you know, toilet paper and wine and spam and whatever um and and we hunker down or get out or whatever the case may be and katrina of course was you know not it it turned into something that we weren't anticipating until it hit us and so you know looking at how we as as an employer and the employers in the area and the communities you know how we reacted to that um was you know and it was again sort of this massive change and disruption um, to everything and, and yep. how, you know, how we worked through that. Um, and I think both of those scenarios and, and other ones, too, have kind of led us to this, while we're not prepared for, you know, anything of this magnitude, I don't know how we're going to deal with, you know, actually tossing around the word pandemic now, but, you know, we collectively learn things each time we go through something like that yes. on a big scale. Um, so thinking, thinking about that and kind of the, um, you know, preparing as best we can, (laughs) you know, I guess is, you know, around this whole issue of workplace flexibility and you, you know, you kind of alluded to that a little bit and the world is different from, you know, 9-11, from Katrina days, whatever, in terms of the technology we have now and kind of we're used to more of us are used to working remotely or we have tech at yep. our fingertips. We can kind of continue some things. Um, what what were some of the lessons that you learned or, you know, actually part of probably now with One Logic, what what are some sort of preventative things that you think HR leaders 
and or business leaders should think about in terms of technology or process or policies to 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 help them through this sort of mo- you know moment in time yeah it's a great question um in uh i guess where i'd go first it's a little bit outside your question but it's going to be relevant to why i was so <laughs> adamant um and i'm lucky to have the leaders i do at one login about we have a workplace uh, flexibility policy and a remote work policy and have mm-hmm. um but we were prepping honestly less for pandemics or terrorist attacks but it, it helps for that certainly than we were yeah. for the future of work which I'm sure yeah. you guys have spent time talking about, but it's, um, you know, whether you sit, I spoke on this for about three, before I joined one login, I was a speaker on future of work and preparing um, both CEO C-suite teams for future of work, but also HR folks, since that's my background, like, are you ready for this? Because it's going to come yeah. pretty fast and furiously, maybe not as fast as everyone says, and the robots will take over in three years, but it's coming. And what we know from that, and also, you know, one login did a study last year, 97% of CIOs said we're going to become more remote and geographically dispersed. It's just where we're headed. And so, you know, the learning for that was, well, we'll get prepared then. You don't wait until you have to do it, whether it's future work or ideally a, a pandemic, because you can definitely see the difference right now between a company like ours that probably won't really miss a beat. I mean, have we ever done a hundred percent remote workforce? No. Have we talked about from a business continuity standpoint, how to do that? Absolutely. It's what the executive team has been doing for two weeks, but we're like, we kind of do it anyway. It's just add a couple more days. Like what's the big deal? Let's stop and work backwards from that. Like things like, Oh, we had some people we were going to interview come on site because we like them to come on site and we like to be in person. Well, let's stop those. We know how to use zoom and we know how to do an interview online. So there was no real panic on our end. If anything, the panic comes more from the health of our employees, right? Which is, not knowing, did someone have it? Are we sending somebody even before this all happened a month ago to different conferences where they had it? So we definitely had, panic would be the wrong word, we definitely had concerns on taking care of our employees. But you don't know what you don't know until you know it, right? So there was that is where we were sort of on the edges of uncertainty. But I feel super proud of us that we've been preparing for this for a long time, more for future work reasons and to expand the talent pool right? All the reasons you were like, hey, people should be able to work from anywhere at any time. It is what we do for a living. We're critical in the technology stack of they need to be secure wherever they are. And so we understand it and we allowed it for reasons of whether being a nice culture of saying you want to take your dog to the vet, you don't need to lie to us, just work from home, right? You're sick, you have an elderly parent, just work from home. So we've already been practicing it. I feel way, way, way more empathy and compassion for companies that just have not accepted that's where the world's going and are being forced there. I am a believer the universe works in mysterious ways. I think this is the universe as much preparing people. You had to go there anyway. It sucks doing it under duress and stress. Ideally, you would have prepared. But if you didn't, you're going to figure it out right now as well. And you're going to realize technology matters. And you're going to realize you should all have Zoom. And you're going to realize you should have policies about it. So to me, the learning always is, you know, be prepared. Um, I'd rather always, you know, prepare for the worst and then be able to, like, we're ready, then wait till the worst happens and try to figure it out. And we're seeing, you know, more and more, I mean, I hope 9-11 is a one-off I never see again. I don't think pandemics are a one-off. I don't think earthquakes are. I don't think hurricane, bad hurricanes are. I, I believe in climate stuff. Is I think you're going to see more disruptive work scenarios in the future. Yeah. 
And so having a business continuity plan and having uh, ability to work from home, and that isn't just policies. Um, you know, a remote workforce, whether it's sometimes all the time or 100% remote work, like some companies now have over 1,000 people and no headquarters, right? So we're moving mm-hmm. in that direction. I think mm-hmm. you have to have leaders prepared. Like, not every leader knows how to uh, lead a remote workforce. Uh, employees aren't always good reworking from home. Some are perfect mm-hmm. for it and some are terrible at it. So, and then the last thing is culture is totally impacted in a largely remote workforce. And if you don't spend time thinking about what does that look like when it's dispersed among geographies, um, where you'll probably get great diversity and great talent that way, it's going to be harder than to think about your culture and how you manage it and what your aspirations are than it is when you're all in one building. So remote workforce yeah. has all those components beyond just policy. Yeah. I work for an employer that has over 200,000 associates, and many of them, it's retail. So we can't, you know, a lot of us can, but many, many, probably the majority, cannot work remotely. And so it's, it, you know, th- there's a whole other uh, slew of conversations about leave and, and yep. all these other things that are going on. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's definitely interesting times. Um, I wanted to go back a little bit to um, communications and um, how you, you know, how in a, in a moment like this, how you, how HR and le- the le- company leadership should talk to employees. Um, and as well as, you know, talk a little bit about the mental health impact. And you, you mentioned sure. EP, so I, I guess that's two separate questions. But, uh, like, what, what tips do you have for HR people who are trying to do this on the fly and don't have the background that, unfortunately, you, you gained through some really tough uh, experiences? Yeah, and, uh, and it was back to the last question, too, on, like, what do you learn and how have you prepared? Sometimes, right, the universe prepares yeah. you whether you like it or not through hardships. That's where most development comes from, by the way. Um, what, uh, the thing that's very similar back to that in this is finding that fine line, and I think it always will be, between talking openly and honestly with your employees and preparing them but not causing more panic and fear. I mean, the worst you can do is not talk to them openly about it because you're trying not to make it worse. Um, uh, you know, a lot of my background is around psychology and even studying, I'm not a neuroscientist, but I've spent a decade very passionately reading about neuroscience and what happens Mm -hmm. when the brain is under duress, right? Uh, All the change leadership Mm -hmm. stuff. We're not really good thinkers at the time and the brain takes over when it's nervous, right? And it's, you know, Mm -hmm. an emotional hijack. So not allowing your employees to talk about it, whether it's through EAP, you know, and and saying, you know, we have an EAP and go out and do that. Whether it's a town hall that lets everybody say, can I ask questions ranging from, are we going to get laid off to, do I have to come into work or or, or what if I don't? What if you, you know, we allow our folks that we have from a couple of weeks now to make that personal choice, especially when it wasn't a pandemic and we didn't have anyone who had it as we were kind of leading up to it, it was certainly, hey, it's your personal choice. If you want to work from home or you feel you need to work from home, work from home. If you're sick, work from home. Um, but, you know, you get things like, you know, questions you'll get are, well, what if I choose to work from home but the guy sitting next to me doesn't? Or I choose not to travel to that customer but that person doesn't. Do I look bad? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so, you know, being able to talk about it is really critical to, uh, to business continuity as well. Folks are more productive and obviously more healthy when they have the chance to be able to, to uh, be, feel in control, be in control, make personal decisions, and be able to talk about what's bothering them. And so I just think there's always going to be that fine line of 
you get some leaders who think, well, if you talk about it, it's making the situation work. It's worse. It's panicking. I mean, just sort of like watch the stock market was the same thing two weeks ago. Don't worry. Everybody go back to work. Right. And then, you know, the panic's coming, but rather than talking about it, you're probably making the panic worse because you couldn't talk about it. And then it comes. Now you're reacting to it. It's sort of the same thing. And so I've just learned um, transparency is, is the most important thing to me. Believing I can talk about anything and I won't be punished or, um, you know, I, I've enabled, I'm lucky. I'm, we're a small company. And so we are, you know, we're 300 people. We are small enough that I've been able to say, as of the managers, if you have any questions, call us. You know, if I'm back at Amex at 100,000 employees, I can't do that. But, I mean, you, know, you mm-hmm. can't say call your manager, but still a lot of people. I have been taking every single day multiple, and it gets busier every day, um, one-on-one calls from people. And I just say, what's going on? What do you need? Let's talk it through. And it ranges from, you know, if I'm sick or I think I'm sick or I was exposed to someone who was exposed to someone who was exposed to someone, <laughs> um, what do I do? And mm-hmm. same with managers trying to do business continuity planning. Like, you know, I, they don't need to go there. Let's talk it through. What are the alternatives? So I think that personal touch, as much as you can give it, even if it's just via your manager who should be able to give it to their tender rec reports, I, as the head of HR, am, am open all day, every day for people calling me until it gets to the point I just can't take every call. And so is my, I have a little team, but they are taking calls too. And people have just been very thankful and said, you know, thanks for taking the call or thanks for reading this article I'm sending you. And you can, you can see and feel some of the uneasiness they have. And mm-hmm. even every time I get an article probably every two hours, and it ranges from someone else is sick in my neighborhood to did you see the CDC do this? And every single mm-hmm. time I write back and say thank you. I don't ignore it. I say thank you. I mm-hmm. can't read enough which is true. I read it, I skim it, but they care and they want to make sure I'm on it and then the executive team's on it so they can stay calm and feel confident and so it's an important part of the process. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think, uh, you know, we mentioned a a bit ago culture. Um, So the glass half full view of what what we're in the midst of right now is this is providing a really super opportunity for companies to reinforce the really wonderful aspects of their culture. This is this is how we communicate. We're transparent. This is how we care. Um, you know, this is how we're dealing with this as a from a business perspective, but also how we're dealing with this um, from an employee perspective. So there's opportunity. You know, I think there'll be lessons learned at the end of this, but there's also opportunities here while we're in the midst of it that. Um, that will give HR people and, and leaders um, the chance to, to shine yep. um, with how they how they re- respond and how they plan. Well, I'll add one more piece to it. I was uh, last week I was talking to the Wall Street Journal on similar type topics, and um, we were wrapping up, and it was sort of like, "What's your final thoughts on this?" And it's very very similar to your question. In fact, I've had more time to think about it since then, so hopefully I'll be a little more articulate in my answer. <laughs> Which is, of course, you set the tone. I mean, culture is nothing more than outcomes of the decisions you make and the things you do. I mean, I'm just yeah. a big believer of that. So every decision you make and the things you do during this keeps, you know, a, a culture's dynamics, changes every day based on the things we do and what we say and how we act. And so, yeah, we're building our culture as we go, making it worse or better depending on the decisions we make. 
But I honestly believe so much of what's going to get companies through this, especially if you overlay it with what looks like a recession that's coming. And so, you know, a lot of not fun stuff potentially for a while. But companies have survived the ups and downs of recessions, right? So we'll Mm -hmm. all be fine. And we'll hopefully survive the ups and downs um, on coronavirus, right, as long as we stay healthy. But mm-hmm. cultures set, I think, I think how companies handle this and how quickly they get through it and how unscathed they get through it, not by the virus, but on the business continuity side, yeah. has everything to do with the culture they set before this started. And the same yeah. was true at Amex with 9-11. If you have a culture where people trust you and trust the leaders, whether that's, you know, we have core values, which is just trust is sort of our Uber thing over it. Um, they they will this is a, a major time of change and i teach change leadership for a living it's one of my ultimate passions so we're doing change every day living with change living with uncertainty living with ambiguity we teach classes on how to do it whether you're preparing for it or it's just thrown at you and what matters is people are are you know wired for status quo and to stay where they are and are very nervous and wired for survival what makes them change is trust is trust that if I take that step into the unknown or something's ambig- ambiguous and the leader says, you know, trust me, this is the right thing, they'll follow you, right? That's the gist mm-hmm. of change leadership and the neuroscience behind it. It's the same for this. If you had a culture beforehand where people didn't trust you and didn't and thought, it, you know, especially look at Silicon Valley, that, you know, it was greed at all costs, which a lot of Silicon yeah. Valley is, we are not. And, they, and we say, look, we, you know, trust us. When we say it's okay to work from home, even if some people are choosing not to back then, there are no repercussions. There is no retaliation, right? People change based on their beliefs. <laughs> and if mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, you know, last year when you said this or did that, you said this thing and you did another, if they truly believe us, they will calm down more quickly. They will make better personal choices. The same was mm-hmm. true at American Express. So one of the best companies I've ever worked for, and Ken Chenault was an amazing CEO, when he told them, calm down, trust me, and here's how it's going to work, people marched in line because they absolutely 100% trusted him. And we mm. are trying to build the exact same thing at one login, and I think we've earned our stripes along the way. Are we perfect? No. No, no company is and no culture is. You make missteps and you learn. But we've treated our people very, very well, and one of the reasons people say they come here and they stay is the culture. And so I think we've built up enough of that trust that when we say, here's the next step, and, and trust me, we're on it, and we're reading this every day, and we will let you know if somebody's sick and whatever, that they do. And so, yeah, yeah, you build culture while you do it, but I think one of the reasons culture matters all the time and is so important for business is every day um, culture is built, and you hope you have a good one going into this. If you already had a sort of dysfunctional one, now you have business continuity and people nervous and maybe not as productive as you like, you're going to have a much bigger problem. Yeah. We have about three minutes and 30 seconds left, and that's subjective. Uh, <laughs> clock is always a little, little bit off. Um, so uh, one last question, and then we'll want to find, want to give you an opportunity to tell people where they can find you if they want to get in touch with you or connect with you in any way. So um, sure. any last thoughts or tips for, for HR folks out there right now that, they might, uh, that we haven't talked about that you might want to throw in as some thoughts to respond to this? Yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, back to if I try to find the positive in anything that's scary and bad and tragic, which just has all of these components, is, mm. you know, uh, future work's all about learning and adapting. And here we go again, right? It's, it's, we're having to learn and adapt. 
And so, you know, take this opportunity and just try to reframe it from a work perspective. We can look at it as a panic attack and we can look at it as, oh, my God, people are going to work from home and what do we do? Or you can look at it as a learning opportunity. The world is headed in this direction. More disruption, a dispersed workforce. Lots of good things come with a dispersed workforce, but it also means all of us have to change the way we work, whether we're working from home for the first time, whether we're learning to lead a, a, a dispersed workforce for the first time, or whether we're a culture that says, you know, one login may very well go on lockdown, right, if, 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 it, if we need to, and for the first time be 100% dispersed workforce, and, and, mm-hmm. and we're prepared for that. But guess what? We'll learn a lot along the way doing that. And so will our employees, and we'll be better for the next experience. So I just always try to take something, because we know when the brain is unsettled and you're looking at things through a negative lens, it's not as productive if you try to figure out what can I learn from this and what can we do better, and and that we'll all get through this together and support each other, and um, we'll be better for the next time. So those are my final words of wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) And and well well said. Um, we're, We're... we're glad to have had the opportunity to get the revised version over the Wall Street Journal on our on our little <laughs> podcast here. So I yeah. stumbled um, to something about culture matters early on, and then yes. <laughs> culture matters early on, and it matters in the end as well. Um, yep, anyway, we have about a minute and a half, so if if you don't if you if you don't mind, tell folks where they can find you, whether it's uh, you know Facebook or Twitter or a website or anything like that. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> that's the one thing I had. I don't know how much I want to put myself out there. I normally yeah. would say my email, but because we are a security company, the last thing I'm not allowed to mm-hmm. open emails from people I don't know, so I'm not going to be there. Um, what I would say, actually, how about um, I'm fine. I have a, a side sort of um, business email that doesn't affect my company or my clients or, any, or my uh, customers or anything like that. I'm just going to give my email address. Um, okay. If that's okay. You? Because. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's um, C-D, as in cat dog, Harrison, my last name, H-A-R-R-I-S-O-N, one zero at gmail.com. So C-D Harrison at gmail.com. I will ask because, I mean, I'm, that's not connected to anything dangerous that a hacker could get into my bank account or into my company, but I will ask if someone could just put, you know, the podcast in the line because I get a ton mm-hmm. of junk mail as well. Um, is the podcast on the line or have a question based on the podcast, and I will an- I'll do my best to open them and answer them. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, thanks for being on the show and sharing your experience. Mm-hmm. It was great. We're uh, just about great. out of time. So, Robin, Super. see you next week. Yeah. Courtney, well, uh, thanks a lot, and we'll stay in touch, okay? Uh, you're more than That's welcome. Good. Have a nice day. Have thanks. a good day, everybody. Thanks for the opportunity. Goodbye.